Hello, my name is Will Hazel and welcome to this week's TES podcast. Today I'm joined by my colleague Len. Hi. Helen. Hello. And let's kick off, um, if you excuse the pun, with the fact that um, the World Cup has started. Um, Len, Helen, are you avid football fans? What's your sort of... I wouldn't say avid. No? <laughs> Len? I, I am quite keen. I used to play for Brighton um, team, so All I right. do watch it, but not uh, league sports, but I, I do watch the international games. I see. Yeah. Of course, um, there's much excitement in the TES office because we have launched the standard World Cup office sweepstake. Yeah. Um, what teams do we have? Uh, I am supporting Nigeria. Ah, Nigeria. Yeah. The, uh, the Eagles, I think they're called. Are they? And they, they? Yeah, I think they're a picture <laughs> this week wearing, wearing very um, flamboyant sort of kind of white robes kind of emblazoned with eagles. So that was quite impressive. Oh, sounds like uh, a good sign. Yeah. Well, I'm rooting for They'll win the kind the of sartorial uh, elegance <laughs> prize if, if not the, the World Cup. What about you, Len? I've got France, which happens to be where I hail from. So that's quite handy. Fantastic. Not a bad team either. No, it's quite good. I should, I should say I know very little about football, so <laughs> <laughs> um, so any sort of judgments I make about the quality of teams um, should be disregarded. Um, we've actually got a couple of pieces um, on our website at the moment um, related to the World Cup. Um, the first one, which um, teachers with similar knowledge of football as me uh, might have to rely on, is a kind of very funny bluffer's guide. So if you're sort of stuck in the staff room, you need to say, say something about the World Cup, then um, you can read this very funny piece by Stephen Petty and he'll kind of tell you how to get through that. Um, but we've also got a piece on whether there's um, a World Cup effect, um, which means that um, uh, on years when there is uh, a big international football tournament, either the World Cup or um, the European Championships, whether that actually affects um, GCSE performance in that year, which is really interesting. Mm. Um, it, uh, what, what's the reasons that, that they're giving for yeah. that? So I think this research went back to, I think it was 2011, mm. but they did find that there was a slight dip in these kind of World Cup years, mm. which you can, they're always kind of um, uh, even numbers. So mm -hmm. 2018, 2014, 2010, and there does seem to, this, to be this slight kind of downturn. And obviously the sort of the hypothesis is that you have lots of young people um, who should be kind of knuckling down with their revision, mm. but they're watching the football instead. Mm -hmm. um, but we've also had sort of teachers um, who we've, we've spoken to have, who have said, you know, so long as uh, young people kind of take a fairly disciplined approach to their revision, yeah. so they sort of set aside time to um, do that, that actually taking a break and watching the football or doing anything yeah. Yeah. You know, can be quite helpful. Yeah. Well, in schools where you often have um, you know, a, big, a big screen set up in the hall yes. and occasionally yeah. people get classes get to go out and watch the World Cup. I know that's something that uh, my school did when yeah, I was teaching. Too, yeah. And it's something that does kind of bring uh, the students together mm. um, and across the years, the different year groups and things. So there's definitely positive effects that come from that as well. Yeah, I think. yeah, absolutely. Um, so, kind of segueing from the World Cup to this week's magazine, um, Len, you've uh, written our splash, 
um, this week on um, grammar schools and grammar expansion. Yes. Um, do you want to uh, talk us through it? So last month, Damon Hines announced the £50 million Selective Schools Expansion Fund. The remit of that fund is to either expand school places within a grammar school or um, the, op the other option is to have a new site. There was a school that did that last year uh, that was approved by Nicky Morgan, yeah. Mr Hines' predecessor, at the Kent of Weald School, yeah. where there was yeah. a satellite in Seven Oaks, nine miles from Tunbridge, its main site, and it raised eyebrows mm. amongst opponents of anti-selection because they say this is uh, a new grammar by stealth. Yeah. Now, you're not allowed to, to open new grammars uh, mm. under existing legislation. Theresa May lost her opportunity to, to switch that because she yeah. lost her majority last year. So what the government is left with is the possibility of allowing schools to expand um, and um, schools have got until July the 19th to do that, um, but they have to have a four-week consultation period before. So there's not much time left for us to know which schools of the 163 selection, selected schools in this country are planning to, to get bigger. Yeah. Um, and the size are so far, few, if any, uh, none that we've come across, are planning a new site. Several are planning to expand. Yeah. Um, and to, to be successful, they have to prove that they are going to do uh, take measures to improve their social disadvantaged cohort uh, in the school. Yeah. I was um, really struck when I, uh, when I read your piece because um, after, the, um, after this £50 million fund was announced, there was this kind of big fury, wasn't there, yeah. of people saying... Um, you know, this is sort of expansion of grammars by the yeah. back door. Yeah. We're going to get sort of new annexes popping up um, in different parts of the country, uh, yeah. and that you know the the Conservatives have been sort of quite sort of sneaky in mm. trying to kind of do this via a sort of non-legislative -legis route. Yeah. Um, but it was really interesting reading this piece that actually um, it doesn't look like that sort of um, expansion via annexes is, is really on the cards. No. Although you have to wonder, I mean, two two points. One, David Hines said that the, the fifty million pot would find up to four thousand places. Um, the guidance does stipulate that if you go for option two, which is the satellite site, mm. you're not going to get many of those for fifty million. It's yeah. a costly business, um, and any school that wants a satellite has to sort of name the land that they, yes. they intend to use now. They've had a 10-week turnaround from the announcement to the deadline. Yeah. You've got to factor in a four-week consultation period. That ain't a lot of time no. for uh, quite a sort of detailed plans for quite a big project. So you have to wonder whether it's, is there no appetite? Is there a fear of the backlash? Yeah. Because it's seen as a sort of, you know, new grammar by stealth. Yeah. The sort of backlash Kent of Weald, Weald yeah. of Kent, sorry, yeah. had. Or is it that they just haven't had time to, to yeah. get their ducks in a row yeah. and may be looking to expand next year. Um, the other point to make, of course, is that you're only talking about expansion where grammars already exist. So yeah. it's about increasing the density yes. of selection in some places. Yeah. And that's a huge concern for schools, in the, for the neighbouring schools, not just within the area, mm. but actually in non-selective areas, ironically, the sort of areas like uh, Trees and May's backyard, Maidstone, which has got fully comprehensive system, but it's sort of touching with the local authorities that have selection, Slough, 
Buckinghamshire. Yeah. Um, so increasing the density in those neighbouring schools, and a couple of schools have got plans for that, um, creates fear in the, the comprehensive schools that they're going to lose more of their talented pupils, mm. they're going to lose more funding, and it's going to be a sort of you know, declining state of affairs for, for, the, for the other schools. Yeah. So there's quite a lot of anxiety around these proposals. Yeah, yeah. And another thing which comes out in your piece is that actually of these schools which have sort of indicated that they are interested in expanding. Um, their sort of proposals for how they're going to increase um, access and participation um, among pupils from yeah. a disadvantaged background, they seem a little bit um, sort of flaky, the proposals, mm. a bit, um, there's not a great deal of kind of detail about how they're going to be doing this. Yeah, a few that, a few that we looked at didn't seem to have much or, or if, if any detail about what they're going to do above and beyond what they're yeah. doing now. Uh, some schools have got very low cohorts of children from disadvantaged backgrounds, despite having admissions policies that are designed to prioritise them, um, you know, give them first preference after looking after children. So it's it's about, you know, it's about proving what you do, you're going to do. And some of the consultations are vague. Um, there's been two petitions already yeah. um, in uh, Reading and um, I forget in Buckinghamshire yeah. about the proposals and and the concern is you know it's not going to improve matters but even if it was going to improve intake in those schools mm. you know overall people say it doesn't improve social mobility um, it is not the way to go and when all schools in this country are cash strapped surely yeah. the government yeah. could have found better ways of using that money if, if it has social mobility at, in its sites. Yeah yeah and as you said I think anyone who does want to open an annex there they'll have sort of comprehensive future and, and yeah. uh, everyone yeah. um, who's anti-grammar schools sort of up after them very very quickly I think. Um, moving on to uh, the feature in this week's magazine, um, it's on uh, reading. Uh, can you tell us a bit more, uh, Helen? Yes, yeah, so um, this is a piece that's been um, written by um, three academics, Kate Nation, Kathleen Russell, and Anne Castles, it's hard to say together. Um, and they are um, telling us exclusively about a new paper that they've put together, um, which talks about how psychology can be used to uh, bring about an end to the reading wars. So reading and how you teach reading has um, been uh, an area of, of, of fierce debate in yeah. education for years now. Um, people uh, either really believe in phonics, they yeah. completely disagree with, with using phonics as a mm. way to teach reading. Um, and, and what, what um, uh, the, the writers are doing um, is they're pulling together um, more than 300 different studies yeah. um, to try to get to the bottom of what the psychological research says um, around how children read um, and, and hopefully that will be able to bring an end to um, these really fierce sure. um, devices. So plates. what does that sort of um, research say um, uh, in the, these uh, academics' minds? What, what, what is the sort of the conclusions which they draw from this sort of body of evidence? So they're, they're essentially um, advocating for um, a more balanced approach right. to how we teach reading. Um, they have found that there is a really strong evidence base for phonics being the first step in how children learn to read. Um, and part of the reasoning behind that is that um, the way that we learn to read is, is very different to the way that we learn, say, um, spoken language. So there's um, a, a, a kind of a step missing, I guess, right. um, between uh, 
taking the, the, the shape of the letter and associating that with the sound, yeah. and that's what phonics fills in. Um, so we don't learn it automatically in the same way that, that student, uh, children will learn to speak right. and understand um, oral communication. Um, so phonics is really important, um, but it, it's not the be all and end all. Right. There needs to be other steps that come after that. Um, so they, they are sort of arguing that um, phonics has been unfairly criticised right. um, by some um, and saying that it is important, but there's other stuff that comes after yeah. that as well. So it would be a bit of a sort of mixed bag for the government and for Nick Gibb um, in particular, who's obviously been this kind of great champion of phonics. And if you sort of listen to the government's pronouncements, mm. um, you'd sort of think that actually th this kind of debate was sort of closed mm. a long time ago and that phonics was the way forward. Mm. It seems that... Um, there's some things you'll like about this, and but perhaps also a bit of a challenge to um, the kind of government's approach um, in this area. Yeah, I think one of the things that they identify is that there's a, a bit of a training gap um, in that teachers are primary school teachers are now coming through their training knowing a lot about phonics, yeah. but perhaps less about what then comes after that. So, for example, um, the importance of morphemes and morphology. Um, they identify that there's there's a, a gap in training around that and how important that is and how you teach those concepts. Um, and they also say that um, you know uh, teaching students reading strategies will only go so far. Yeah. Um, and that actually a lot of learning to read also just comes from reading a lot. Enjoying reading. Enjoying reading and um, reading widely um, and coming to understand the different kind of uh, contextual clues that will help you to make meaning where just uh, strategies for reading the actual words themselves um, you know end so um, that is still going to be an issue for teachers because encouraging reluctant readers yes. to read a lot yeah. is is a really big issue um, and so that's something that that teachers are still going to struggle with I think sure sure okay uh, thank you very much I think that's pretty much all we've got time for this week so it just leaves me to say uh, thank you, Len. Thank you. Thank you, Helen. Thank you. And thank you for listening. Goodbye.